Hi, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddles, Editorial Director of Custom at PR Week. I'm really excited about this podcast, which is brought to you thanks to the support of Pan Communications. Something that has always been true. For any organization, its most valuable asset is its workforce. Something that has not always been true. Most or all organizations have acted in a manner befitting of that reality. Something that is true now. Most organizations now not only realize their employees are their most valuable asset, but they go to great lengths now to make sure they are taken care of holistically. You're not a well-run business that will recruit and retain top talent if you don't do that. But a key to doing that is the name of today's podcast, Investing in the Future of People. And that touches on technology, touches, of course, on culture, touches on so much more. And joining me today is an agency leader whose thoughts on this are to be truly valued because he knows a lot about building a strong business, but he also knows that he doesn't know everything. And that's not an insult. And he'll tell you that. Such honesty defines a great leader who can speak to this crucial topic. I'm talking about Phil Nardone, president and CEO of Pan Communications. Phil, I'm thrilled that you're joining me today. Thanks for doing so. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Quite an introduction, and I don't know everything, but uh, yeah, I, I do my hardest to, to learn what I don't know, right? I know that, and I do know you know a lot more than I do, which you're about to prove with these questions that I'm about to ask you. So let's get right to it. Sure. As we've discussed recently, Phil, you have made it a priority to invest in the future of your people at Pan Communications, and that's a commitment I'm sure many leaders in the industry are on board with. I also know you have some very specific thoughts about how technology can play a huge role in this. So I give you the floor to discuss a few of the areas you are focused on in which increased tech investments can truly move the needle in terms of helping your talent thrive. Yeah, right on. Uh, first and foremost, I'd have to say that we, we needed to address the growing hybrid workforce that was happening around us at PAN. And in doing so, we invested heavily in Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. It became our single pane of glass, if you will, where teams could collaborate, build a culture in this ever-involving hybrid environment. So as you might imagine, it allows real-time collaboration, cuts down on emails, all the back and forth that goes on between client teams. And what it does for us is is it allows all of our workforce and clients to find what they need in the cloud, regardless of, of where they are. I would say that's number one. Number two, we've leaned in heavily on protecting our employees and our client data at PAN. So that means we've done everything from just looking at multi-factor authentication and AI. I mean, everywhere we we turn and read, there's spoofing and phishing and spamming. It's running rampant. Um, Agencies like mine, Gideon, are getting hit with huge premiums for for cyber insurance. And all of that makes sense because it's on the rise. Mm -hmm. So we've had to double down on that Mm -hmm. and make sure that we are protecting the data that's out there. I would say, lastly, we put a lot of importance on training and development. I think we're going to talk about that a lot today. You can't invest in the future of people without T&D, and that starts with technology. We're constantly surveying our staff to find out what's holding them back, what the time sinks are, and we're investing in professional services software that can help them do their job better. 
So that's anything from a better time tracking system to better dashboards of measurement and analytics to define the results that we put in front of a client. I mean, it goes on and on, but we listen to our employees. We're going to hear that a lot today and we react to that. So in this first question of technology, we spend the money on the pain points that hit my staff. That sounds like an excellent place to start this. So thank you so much for that, Phil. Now, we're going to move on to culture. Ooh, I love this. Yes. Few words, if any, are focused upon more when it comes to creating an optimal workplace. But even more specifically, in my research prior to our conversation today, I noticed a specific focus of yours being the creation of a culture of innovation. Please talk a bit about what you mean by a culture of innovation and perhaps more importantly, how an organization can go about building it. Yeah, right on. I I would have to say that as a CEO, I I always challenge myself to be courageous as a leader. Um, And by that, I mean, leaning into areas that may not be the norm, Mm -hmm. uh, what everyone else is doing or anything like that. I think it's how you innovate, taking that past less traveled, if you will, just looking for ways that you can do things more exciting listening to your staff and finding what is going to give them an environment that just holistically touches all the things that are important to them. You know, Gideon, gone are the days that we can just look at the world at PAN or in any company and not expect the employee to bring what's troubling them at home or in the world or in their community into the workforce. They do. So it touched so Pan and every company out there impacts everyone's life. And what we need to do and what we've recognized is that we lean into that. We find ways that we hear about the pain points that our employees are facing and we step up. I would have to say that the best example I can give you that exemplifies the pan culture has to be around our innovation and collaboration and everything we did for diversity, equity, and inclusion. We started leaning into DEI like so many agencies in 2020 after the uh, murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. I will tell you proudly that we continue to lean into DEI. We named that year our first ever head of DEI, and we're not alone, most agencies did. I began teaching at um, two historically black colleges and universities. As you know, I now teach at three historically black colleges and universities, and I take great pride in that. I do it every fall semester. Mm -hmm. And I think that it has inspired my team and let them know that DEI, like so many initiatives at PAN, are not just in a fleeting moment, We are here to continue to lean into a topic like that, that I think transcends all employees, whether you're BIPOC or um, Caucasian, you, you care about making your environment a welcoming one. And we've done that at PAN. So I would say that don't take the safe route all the time. Step out of your comfort zone. Be courageous. Try some new things. I mean, I could not change and cannot change who I am as today a 63-year-old white male. But I show up at these HBCUs. I listen to what my BIPOC community is looking for at PAN. And, And those are examples of just how this CEO tries to make a culture, um, a bit more innovative. And there are so many other examples that I can give you, but that DEI one comes to mind. You know, 
I, I'm always happy when organically DNI comes up in a conversation because when you talk about the future of the industry, obviously it's talent as well. That is such an important topic. And we weren't necessarily going to talk about that specifically. I'm really, really glad you mentioned that, Phil, yeah. because it is so important. You know, we're actually going to go back to touch on something that we started with the first segment. The one thing that I know is of paramount importance to you is the concept of dedicated career coaching. Just those words alone speak to investing in the future of your people. What does this look like at PAN and why do you feel a commitment to career coaching is so vital for not only an organization's talent, but for the overall organization as well? Okay, right. Well, let's face it, in a professional service organization like PAN, and many agencies out there can relate to this, there's a shared resource model where an individual may be working for four or five different account managers, VPs, SVPs, anything like that. So they're hearing a lot of different feedback from a lot of different people. At PAN, we decided to focus the employee's experience in the organization. We assigned them at day one to one individual that they overlap to some degree with. It could be an account Gideon. It could be just they share the same passion for something or the same expertise or whatever it may be. And it's between that dedicated career coach and that employee that they chart out both short-term and long-term goals. So both people know what success looks like for that individual. They meet often. At PAN, they're required to meet no less than one time per month, one-on-one, an employee and their dedicated career coach. Many of them meet more than that because you start to develop that affinity for one another and you, you know them as people. So you're coaching them in a lot of different ways beyond just the professional world. You're coaching them just on time management. It could be on leadership skills. It could be preparing for their first new business meeting. It's at any level. And I think that that's bode really well for PAN. And I've seen the result of that in the amount of people we've promoted in the organization. They At PAN, we don't promote once a year. We promote when the employee is ready. Mm-hmm. And that's based on the dialogue that happens on an ongoing basis with the employee and the dedicated career coach. So I think that that model for PAN, it has separated us. I hear it over and over again from employee sessions that I host that the dedicated career coach is the one thing that has made their orientation to PAN, their onboarding to PAN, their acclimating to a new role at PAN so successful. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really been um, amazing. You know, I, I have to ask you a follow-up to that because I think that is just such a really, really terrific program for investing in the future of your people. But how do you as a CEO or perhaps as the head of HR or whoever it might be, how do you judge whether the pairing is working or not between the coach and the employee, because sometimes I'm sure I'm sure there's been situations where it looked good at the beginning and yeah. it seemed like it made sense, but maybe it doesn't work quite as well. How do you yes. how do you account for that? Yes. I host a series of breakfast with the presidents with um, all the employees in the organization. So it's by level. When I visit an office, I meet very often one on one with people. So I hear in real time things where, where an employee is commenting about their dedicated career coach. Mm-hmm. I'll take that back to team HR. 
and they will lean into that and look into it a little further. Another avenue is that um, an employee at PAN is given an opportunity to talk to an HR business manager about how that dedicated career coach relationship is going. They don't always work. So you're right on the money. And it could be that the supervisor's style is to, I'm here for you. Um, and they don't dial it in, but they're just more relaxed with it. And that employee is looking for someone that's really leaning in mm-hmm. and wants to be more engaged. So we'll make a move like that. So we'll continue to hone that. I got to say the truth. It doesn't happen as often as you might think. Um, it really does work because of the time and effort that we put into mm-hmm. it. But I want to answer your question. As a CEO, how do I know when it's working? I know when I'm meeting with our head of people and culture, Elizabeth Familetti, and she tells me that she's hearing from dedicated career coaches that we need to put together a training session on this, whatever the this might be. And that I know is coming directly from the strong partnership that exists between the employee and the um, the dedicated career coach. We're not afraid to spend the money to put together training sessions that will respond and re- react to what that employee needs. And, and that, to me, is success. I'm hearing about it, Elizabeth's hearing about it, and we act on it. Excellent, excellent. So, sounds, sounds like a very successful program, um, one that our, some in our audience might want to emulate as well. Last month, we announced the results of PR Week's 2022 Best Places to Work program. Beyond recognizing the honorees, it was really a great opportunity to review the responses of all the staffers who took the survey and to highlight certain areas and trends where the broader industry is either excelling or struggling a bit. One of the areas that was particularly interesting to me was the feedback on annual performance reviews and their value to employees in terms of their professional development. This happened to be an area in which PAN scored well, but more than a few entities did not. So I'm happy to give you the floor, Phil, to discuss some keys to ensuring that an annual performance review is truly beneficial to the employee's growth and future prospects. Um, And again, I want to reiterate. I wasn't necessarily expecting to find this when I reviewed the best places to work uh, answers, but it was amazing to me. A lot of the agencies that maybe yeah. didn't score, and organizations too, in-house as well, didn't score quite as well. This seemed to be an area where they really didn't score well. So I'm really curious about how yeah. you make annual performance reviews really valuable to the employees. Yeah. This is an interesting question. I have a good network of CEOs that I talk with, and we share in a safe zone what's working, what's not working. They're CEOs that you know by name. I call them my friends. Uh, We're there for one another. We will get together. And we actually talked about the best places to work. I've learned through that, um, your your award here, that there are exemplary agencies out there and they they should be recognized for the work that they do. PAN's an awesome organization. This year we didn't get recognized and I totally respect that. I understand it. I will lean into the results of the survey and 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 track it a little a little closer to see what we can do better. But this one area is one that we did well and I do know from some of my CEO pals this is something that they struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I've I've talked with them about that. We make sure that we start to set performance expectations from the very beginning with an employee so that they know how we will be tracking and defining their goals and what success looks like in that role. Many agencies out there, Gideon, have a great 
job description that they give to that new employee or to that employee that once they get promoted. We lift from that job description and have several dialogues with different people. It could be people in HR, people on the client service side, people in the integrated marketing world, because we're doing more and more campaigns that do PR and IM. So we, we sit with that employee so they understand what their role and responsibility is and what success looks like. We ask, as, as I've told you earlier, that they continue one-on-one -on -one sessions with their dedicated career coach. And in addition to that, every quarter they meet with a, a HR business partner and their dedicated career coach to see how they're doing specifically to job career tracking, job satisfaction and, and development. And it's terrific. We've put a lot of money into training and developing these people managers so that they are comfortable in real-time feedback. Mm -hmm. That's not easy for people. In our industry, people are promoted because they've been exemplary at client service or at securing media results or generating an amazing paid campaign. But all of a sudden they're thrust into this people management role where they're responsible for individuals development mm -hmm. and career tracking. So we put that people manager through a lot of training. We use our friend Elise Mitchell, who um, this year, for example, is putting together a four part series on how to be a more innovative leader, a more transparent leader. And all of these things help our people managers to deliver in real time day-to-day -day feedback and when it comes to those sit-down quarterly sessions that are documented Gideon mm -hmm. we make sure that we're being honest with the feedback and it's certainly reviewed by a VP on their team but we're looking at what that employee needs to do to redirect for better performance or to continue to track on the path to the next role um, so you know I think that it's one training those people managers to having a good set of expectations from the beginning and in the middle having a real solid path of meeting quarterly to see how both that employee is feeling and that supervisor is defining what success looks like and how that person is performing. Excellent. And I very much love the fact that you mentioned Elise Mitchell, my favorite motorcycle riding Arkansas in I don't even know how to what you call someone from Arkansas I'm just going to say Arkansas and whatever it is but yes and uh, obviously, yeah. obviously um, famous for looking around the curve or looking around the bend I'm sorry that book that's leaning leaning, leaning into the curve I'm sorry I thank you leaning yeah, into I, the I, curve. I, that's always stuck in my mind I haven't spoken to Elise in a while I need to rectify that but me too Gideon. yeah she's well she was just um pan every year does a strategy session at the beginning of January to kick off the, the year and define our goals and to make sure we're all on the same page. So we had um, 30 of our leaders together for two and a half days. And our guest speaker on day two for a workshop on leadership was none other than Elise Mitchell. Good, so, good choice. I mean, even the leaders at PAN um, go through some training with Ms. Mitchell. Absolutely. That's terrific. And uh, But again, going back to the annual performance reviews, because it, was, it's a, it is such an important topic. Obviously, it is something that you have to think about for the entire year, because if you, if you only really think about it oh, when yeah. you're doing it, it's not going to be effective. And also everyone out there, if you are the person being reviewed as part of the annual performance review, you also have a responsibility to make sure that it's going well, too. 
throughout the year, you need to track what you're doing. And the most important thing also is I know a lot of, and you know, a lot of younger people might be guilty of when they go to the performance refuse, basically they just want to know, okay, am I getting a raise? Maybe I'm getting promoted and that's it. You know what? You have to take advantage of the opportunity to really, really learn what you're doing, what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. It's not just about the number of money. It's not just about the number. Um, it's not just about a promotion. It really is. You have to be, you have to go into it both sides, but even the person being reviewed, you have to go into it really as an open, you know, an open book, really ready to learn what you've done well, what you haven't done well. It isn't going to work if both sides aren't really, really, you know, taking it seriously. So, but anyway, Phil gave much better advice than I just did, but I just thought, I just thought I'd throw my two cents in there. But Phil, we're going to end this conversation with something we talked about before today about employee feedback. It is a crucial part of this conversation. Often, employees have ideas and suggestions that can really improve the overall organization. Of course, it's not always easy for management to open themselves up to this feedback, let alone implement it, because it can often be critical. Phil, I know you are a leader who welcomes your staff's feedback. You've proven that today. So it would be really good to hear one or two specific suggestions that you've received from PAN staffers over the past couple of years or so that you have heated, implemented, and have seen improvements because of it. Yeah. Okay. I love that you asked this question. I would say if there's anything I'd like uh, Phil not only to be remembered as, it's that he he leads with kindness and empathy and at the end of the day is a transparent leader. And I am. Um, I'll bring you back to 2020 when COVID hit. My friend Barbie Siegel, CEO of Zeno, and I were two CEOs that daily wrote a communication to our employees, Gideon. Every single day, we reached out to our employees. Kim Sample, the CEO and executive director of PR Council, had said that this is amazing. We're into month two, and so many people have stopped the daily communication. You and Barbie keep going. Um, We did because I think we are those kinds of people. I learned from Barbie. She learns from me. Um, we we listened to our staff and those emails opened up a dialogue as people were acclimating to working at home um, in a way that was second to none. It showed people that their CEO was there, maybe no longer in an office, but um, available to them. At that same time, I embraced an anonymous email box. I still have it to this day. Tip for your listeners mm. today. This is an, an email box where people are allowed to, as David Parkinson, the CEO of Method says, ask me anything. And at PAN, you can ask me anything in a staff meeting, in an email, but there is nothing like the feedback and information I glean from the anonymous email box. It's amazing. Great. As a CEO, I'll tell you a few other things that I do, and I'm not alone here. I stole an idea from Dale Bornstein, the CEO of M. Booth, my other good friend. She does walk and talks with people. I now do the same thing. I do a breakfast with the president. I mentioned it earlier in this podcast where I meet with every level of the organization once or twice a year in a safe zone where we talk about what's working in that role and what's not working. I visit every office twice a year and I meet as a staff and then individual by level or one-on-one with certain people that may or may not be struggling. And I just talk to them as a CEO, as a person, about how things are going, how we can improve, what are, they, what are their challenges, um, what are they faced with. 
I, there's so much that I can do and your listeners can do as CEOs. But beyond that, they need to rely on their HR team and their leadership team that do an exemplary job of getting really close to the employees. Listen, I will never know everything that's going on in our 225 plus workforce, uh, workforce's home life. But trust me, they do. People like Darlene Doyle and Meg Kessler, they know what's happening in Dan Martin in their in their teams mm-hmm. to find out like where it is that's that's giving them pause or what they're dealing with at home that they're they can't separate from work. So I think we you have to put in place a number of channels where people can give you feedback. And through it all, you have to build the foundation that says you care, that you're, you're, you lead with that kindness, like I said, that you're, you've got the empathy for understanding what people are struggling with. You know, there are different things that happen in our world hit people differently. And I, I lean into that. I listen to that. Um, and then I would just say that, you know, Try surveys as often as you can. Um, Our HR team, our client relations team is always doing surveys to our staff. We created our whole high flex workforce because people were saying to us that they don't want to come back to work after COVID. And now we've embraced a high flex methodology that's here to stay. You can work anywhere mm-hmm. um, for at PAN. You can work at home full time in an office or a combination thereof. Mm-hmm. So I think things like that come when you listen to your staff. So a lot packed into that question. I'm passionate about yes. my team. That's what makes me um, the, the, the guy that I am, uh, the CEO that I am. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot, a lot there for feedback. Well, Phil, the, the folks at Penn are very lucky to have a guy like you leading them. And what I also really appreciate is you dropped some really great names there with Dale Bornstein, uh, David Parkinson, Barbie Siegel, Elise Mitchell previously. Um, not only all great leaders like you are, but, you know, it's really great to hear someone in your position who learns from others as well. And, you know, all, uh, all the ANC leaders out there, and I'm not just talking the CEOs, I'm talking the MDs and the SVPs and the EVPs and the practice leaders and obviously CCOs and those on the in-house side. You know what? always you know you can always learn from others not only your employees of course yeah. but you can learn from others on a similar role to you because you're always learning no matter what no matter what position you're in no matter how high you've climbed up the ladder and i think that's really really important in an overall conversation about investing in the future of people and you know i yeah. knew going into this this could have been like a three-hour conversation but no one has patience for that um, it feels a busy guy. No. It feels a busy guy too. So I really don't want to take up too much. I don't want to take up any more of his time. But I do want to thank you, Phil, for joining me today. I mean, again, people is such an important topic. And if anything good came out of COVID, and again, I loathe to say anything good came out of it, but I really do think organizations and their leaders' appreciation of how important their people are to the success and future of their businesses has never been higher. And I think yeah. that's a good that's a good result. And if today's podcast gave anyone out there a couple of new ideas, and I believe it did, that could really help you invest in the, in the future of people, I'm really, really glad to have done this. And Phil, again, I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for taking the time today. No, my pleasure. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank everyone out there for listening. Hope you enjoy this. Hope you get a lot out of it. Check on PRWeek.com for past podcasts, future podcasts. We're all about podcasts now. It's 2023. So we have a lot of podcasts. Very, very helpful. Thank you for that. And until the next time, this is Gideon Fiddles. I'm wishing you all a great rest of your day. 
Have a good day. Thanks. 